When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, a podcast by Purple Row, the Colorado Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I am your host, Skylar Timmons, and it's just a two-man show today as I am joined by my buddy Evan Lang here. Good afternoon, everybody. Yeah, Mac decided that uh, he was just too good to be on the podcast this week, so uh, just Skylar and me. That are due to some uh, unfortunate accidents in our last recording episode. I think Max taking a break. Uh, <laughs> no, he's on sabbatical. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think Max got. A, he's had a busy weekend, so we'll give him the free pass this week and fly a two-man battery here. But no, we we still got a lot to talk about here, so I'm pretty excited. But uh, Evan, we've had opening day uh, as an icebreaker. What's do you have any like opening day traditions typically for you? Uh, it's tough because, so this was actually the first opening day in a long time where I haven't had to work or, or do anything else. So I actually got to go down to the game, but in general, I always watch opening day no matter where I am. Um, I will do my very best to get that running so I can watch it. And when I'm at the game, the, uh, the basically first thing I did when we went to the stadium was make the round, uh, the first the first level, see what neat new authentics and things they have. But my general tradition for ball games, especially opening day, is uh, beelining it up to the rooftop and greeting all the the folks up there who work the rooftop bar. Some really really great people who run the show up there, and you know, grab a couple discount cores, get the party started, and watch uh, watch batting practice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I went. I've only been to one opening day in person. I think it was in high school, and I had a couple of uh, teammates for the baseball team that had an extra ticket, so they took me. But otherwise, it's yeah, mostly just sitting at home, either watching it or listening it, listening to it, as was the case this year. Uh, but one cool one. It's not mine, but my older brother, uh, is, that's a Spanish teacher over in Pueblo. His tradition, if open day happens to, on a school day. He had yesterday off on Fridays, but usually he'll watch opening day in his classroom with his students. 
So that's kind of oh, his, cool. his opening day tradition. <laughs> he actually got on Roots. That's awesome. He actually got on the broadcast a couple of times, like with his tweet and everything. And Drew Goodman and Huey were like, oh, yeah, Mr. Timmons. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of his tradition. Otherwise, yeah, it's just making sure I catch it wherever I am in any form that I can. Yeah, I can't think of the last time that I was able to go in person. It might have been when I was in high school as well. It was the last time I actually got to go to the home opener. The one that I remember the most is that I went to the home opener in 2008 when they put up the uh, National League pennant. And that was really cool. Yeah, it's like, I think that's like the, the best part is when you can go to those events and there's like a big event. Like, yeah, there's the game, but it's also nice to go when there's a little bit more of that incentive, whether it's like, hey, you're getting a free bobblehead or, you know, they're putting up a banner or retiring Larry Walker's number, that kind of stuff. There's always just nice added incentives. And I think opening day is like one of the perfect instances of that. There's just so much, I guess, air and positivity and nice vibes around opening day. That that's one of those games where you have to go to at least once in your life. Definitely. And the ballpark was buzzing yesterday. It was a lot of fun. Like despite the results, everybody seemed to be having a good time. The place was packed even more so than it, than it normally is on, you know, uh, a Friday or in a weekend game where the ballpark can be pretty full. It was very, very full for the entirety of the game. Yeah. And I think, what was it? A sellout crowd for opening day, which their first proper opening day since 2019. Really? Like that's, that's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. They announced, I think the final crowd was something like 48,627. Just completely full house. Every ticket sold out. There was maybe when I was at our opening day breakfast, um, I took a look to see how many tickets were left. And on the Ticketmaster website, there was maybe like five seats left that they were still selling. Yeah. <laughs> no. And, and that's nice to see. No, unfortunately, I can assume like half of those people are Dodgers fans that were showing Ooh, up yeah. for the game. But no, I think it's way good. too much Dodger blue. Yeah, but I think it's good coming out of you know, an awful offseason with the lockout and everything. I think the first opening day, no restrictions since 2019. I think people were hungry for it. And, you know, come see Freddie Freeman and the Dodgers. Oh, and there's the Rockies, too, with some good additions. You know, I, I, from what it sounds like, opening day was pretty successful across the board, especially for, you know, at least from a fan perspective, coming on the business end of things but good yeah, definitely. But we've got plenty to talk about, so we're going to jump in, talking all about opening day, uh, recapping the events of the first game of the season uh, as we're recording this on Saturday, so we won't have the rest of the Dodgers series for you when you hear this on Monday, but still plenty to talk about throughout the season. Talk about that, you know, Chris Bryant's arrival with the Rockies, and maybe even previewing the week to come, and we've got tons of stuff on the back half about around MLB, since we can start doing that now, since there's more news to talk about. But first thing we wanted to start off here, Evan, was the 28-man roster was officially announced, uh, as we now know who made the cut for opening day. And here in this first month of April, we'll be at 28 until it's cut back to 26 in May because of the shortened spring training and the lockout and all that stuff. But were there any surprises to you that made the 28-man roster that you thought were kind of on the bubble? I know we talked about them quite a bit in our last episode. Uh, It was really weird because, honestly, it was, what, the day after we recorded our last episode that they made a bunch of announcements? Mm -hmm. And there, there are definitely some nice surprises on here. I think a big one is Ashton Godot, who made his first opening day roster and had just a really, really nice spring. And it's nice to see that he's maybe maybe finally found his spot after being just DFA'd to heck and back over the last couple years where, you know, in the last year he got DFA'd something like seven times. And now he's on the opening day roster, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but he pitched really, really well yesterday. Uh, Ty Block is really nice to see. And I was really happy that we ran with Alan Trejo as one of our infielders. 
the real issue, I think, and we'll talk about this more in a second, is that we're going to have some tough decisions to make at the end of April when the rosters get contracted back down to 26. But overall, not really a ton of surprises on this opening day roster. I think someone who I thought was originally going to make it but didn't was uh, right-handed reliever Justin Lawrence, the fireballing side armor, just because he had a he had a fairly solid spring, but ended up getting optioned down to AAA Albuquerque before the rosters were finalized, but then got called back up right to start the season and pitched yesterday. Yeah, I, I think that was a surprising one because Lucas Gilbreth and Robert Stevenson, you know, two mainstays in that bullpen, especially Gilbreth as our lefty. Both of them go on the COVID injured list, so we lose them immediately to start the season. Uh, we'll miss them for probably a couple weeks, a week or so. And so immediately Justin Lawrence and Jordan Sheffield come back, which are kind of surprising because they'd both been sent down, and Jordan Sheffield had a really rough spring, had a rough first outing for Albuquerque, and they're going to have to try and figure things up or figure things out here at the big league level right away, whereas they're kind of losing some opportunity to work on their craft down in Albuquerque. But yeah, J- Justin Lawrence coming back up, he's got that bright future in that bullpen. He's just got to really like do like he did yesterday of just pounding the zone and throwing strikes. You know, because we can talk about that right now. Like Ashton Godot and Justin Lawrence yesterday, they combined for four and a third innings of shutout baseball, struck out four guys, one hit. Uh, combined. That's a pretty good debut for two guys out of the bullpen that you weren't expecting to, you know, kind of be this lights out, especially against a scary Dodgers lineup. Yeah, and for Godot, we we knew that his sort of deal is longer relief, so he went two innings. That wasn't much of a surprise. But those two innings, outside of the one hit, he was really efficient. The one that really surprised me was that Justin Lawrence pitched two complete innings, and was really, like you said, he was pounding the zone. He got two strikeouts. He was working really, really well. He threw 20 pitches, and 16 of those pitches were strikes. And that's really important for him, because one of the things, especially last year, that J-Law needed to work on was consistently finding the strike zone. He walked a lot of people last year. He would throw a lot of pitches outside, because he you know, he has that sidearm delivery, and he's He's got high heat to work with, but he needs to be able to place pitches a little bit better. And so to have him come in and pitch two really efficient, well-thrown innings on opening day when, you know, he wasn't even on the roster a couple days ago is really, really big for him. I was super happy to see it. Uh, Really glad for Ashton Godot how well he pitched when, you know, unfortunately the, the pitching in the fourth just really didn't work out. Yeah, and I was just looking over our pitching numbers yesterday. So Kyle Freeland, talk about, he was the opening day starter, just his second opening day start, uh, his second home opener, or his first home opener since his debut in 2017 when he pitched against the Dodgers. And for those first three innings or so, Kyle Freeland was his dominant fashion, and then things just kind of spiraled with two outs in the fourth inning where they just continued to struggle finding outs the Dodgers are a very pesky lineup and they just kept finding the gaps and finding the holes to to rally with two outs no that that's something I hope would it's not a trend for Kyle Freeland this year because you know we the Rockies are going to need him in that bull in that rotation to really be an anchor without John Gray and he was starting to show it for those first couple innings but uh, what what was your kind of take on watching Freeland in person. Yeah, so for the first two innings especially, he looked pretty unbeatable. Two strikeouts in both the first and the second. He only gave up the one hit to Max Muncy on a grounder in the top of the second. And then he struck out two in the third, but it did look like his command might have been waning a little bit. He walked Gavin Lux to start the inning, but then struck out Mookie Betts on a foul tip. Awesome. Then on a 2-2 count, he hit Freddie Freeman mm-hmm. and then struck out Justin Turner and no, sorry, struck out Trey Turner and then got Justin Turner out. So inning over, no harm done, uh, was kind of hoping that maybe that would be his worst inning. And then they were just making 
pretty good quick contact on him in the fourth where he got a ground out to start the inning, but then back-to-back base hits and then a pop-out. So you've got two outs, but then he just couldn't get that final out where uh, Gavin Lux, who unfortunately hit really well yesterday, and you know Mookie Betts just kept that inning going with base hits, then another walk, and then we had to pull him because it really looked like he either wasn't hitting his spots or they were just seeing what he was putting out there. So really frustrating. It's something that we saw a lot last year too, where some of our, if our starters had a bad day, it always came in like one inning, that one bad inning because the entire Rockies pitching staff shut out the Dodgers, except for that fourth inning where they scored five runs combined on Kyle Freeland and um, Tyler Kinley. So, you know, unfortunately, really, really frustrating to see, and at least Kinley was able to come in and get that final out, not before giving up uh, another two runs that were both credited to Freeland. But definitely what what you can at least be positive about is that for those first three innings, Kyle was looking really solid. You have to keep in mind that this was his first start of the season because the shortened spring training, people aren't necessarily fully stretched out. So you got to look more at, you know, this is maybe just continuing to shake off the rust like you would have done if spring training had gone for another week like it was supposed to versus this is the Kyle Freeland that we're going to see because he really did look solid in those first two innings. Yeah, I think he just kind of maybe ran out of gas. You know, he got he was amped up to start opening day and then maybe some of that adrenaline adrenaline started to to wane a little bit into that fourth inning. And then just things got away with him. But I think that's something that we've seen in the past. It's that elusive third out sometimes in those big innings. And that's something that we've seen this team struggle with in the past, especially the last couple of years sometimes with this rotation. That's something they're going to have to clean up of, no, don't let things get out of hand. No, if the Dodgers tie it up 2-2 two to two in that fourth inning, I think that's fine. No, finally get that third out, shut the door, keep the game going, potentially walk it off in the bottom of the ninth with the Charlie Blackman double. But uh, I think overall, if you look at the box scores from opening day, the Rockies were matching the Dodgers pitch for pitch pretty much. Uh, sure, Walker Bueller only gave up two runs on four hits, but he walked the same amount of batters Kyle Freeland did, two, and Kyle Freeland struck out one more batter than Walker Bueller in about an inning and a third less. So you can look at the results, but I think that pitching-wise, yes, on opening day, was actually pretty good. You know, four pitchers, Kyle Freeland, we need a little bit more length out of him, but I think punt pitch for pitch, the Rockies were matching the Dodgers you know, across the board in the game, even though the, the final scoreline probably doesn't reflect that as much, but... Uh, I think that's something to keep in mind is we don't have to, to worry too much after just one game what the entire season is going to look like. The Rockies looked good against the Dodgers yes, on opening day. Yeah, it's like, yeah, there was a loss, and there's definitely some negatives to take away from the game, but there were also a lot of positives to look at, and we're going to go through a bunch of this stuff. But, you know, you saw a lot on social media of, people immediately backtracking on all the positivity we had going into the season because, you know, we lost to the Dodgers on opening day. And I think something that people need to keep in mind is that this is game one of 162 games. And for the most part, we kept pace. Uh, Final score, you know, five runs, eight hits, one error to three runs, seven hits, zero errors. And overall, except for that one inning, the pitching was really strong. Now, is there stuff to improve on? Definitely. I'm, I'm never going to say there's not stuff to improve on. There's no such thing as a team playing a perfect ball game for the most part. But I think people got to roll it back a little bit and realize that they can they can relax a bit. It's only been one game. Things are going to be okay. Yeah, if this kind of game or that kind of inning was happening in like June or July, which we know they will, you know, that's when you can start like uh, start questioning like that halfway point through the season. But yeah, after day one <laughs> of the season, uh, we can you keep your expectations kind of low on that day and just enjoy the the festivities, opening day, 
enjoy being at the ballpark, enjoy that baseball's back. And then you can start worrying a little bit later uh, because everybody's just kind of getting their feet wet and getting back, especially in Colorado, when you got to kind of acclimate back into that rhythm playing at Coors Field and everything. Yeah, because they, they play all their spring training out in Arizona. It's a different environment from, from Coors Field, so everybody's got to you know, get back into their groove. And for the most part, though it was frustrating that we didn't score more runs on the seven hits we got, uh, a couple people had pretty decent games, and for the most part, other guys were looking like they were sort of trying to click back into their groove. Yeah. Um, the big downside from our performance was the 12 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, plate discipline has always been an issue for this team over the last couple of years, and that's definitely something we want to see get toned back. But we struck out the Dodgers 11 times, so yeah. that's a pretty even pace between the two teams. Yeah. The the other big thing is that we left a lot of runners on base. Uh, with runners in scoring position, we were just 3 for 12 with a total of 8 left on base. That's not ideal. Um, that's also been kind of an issue with this Rockies team of really failing to get runs in when they had the opportunity. So both of those things are things that they need to build on and improve on over the season. But it's only been one game, and they have plenty of time to work on that. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, like we were talking about before, looking at that box score, the Rockies were matching the Dodgers. But the thing is, the Dodgers, they're very, they come in clutch. You know, and they had that big five-run inning. That's that's all they needed. And they had stellar pitching the rest of the way. And that's something that we've noticed, some trends that have carried over still from years past, that they've struggled with runners in scoring position coming up clutch with a big hit. Now, for the most part, they'll get one here or two, but you know, it's that really big inning that the Rockies need where they can put up four or five runs, kind of like the Dodgers did, especially when they're at home. But, you know, I did, again, the final score may not reflect it, but that game was a lot closer than it actually turned out. Um, and speaking of, like, guys with good first days, we had our three position players making their Rockies debuts. All three, pretty decent day in Chris Bryant, Randall Gritchick, and Jose Iglesias. Evan, what was kind of the reaction when, when uh, Chris Bryant was first announced, when he took the field for the first time, took his first at-bat? No, just He got one of the biggest cheers of everybody while they were announcing the the starting lineup. Because they, they run through on opening day, they run through everyone on the, the team, the non-starters, the coaches, and everything like that. When they got to the starters, Bryant got one of the bigger pops, and there were plenty of uh, Bryant shirts and jerseys in the stadium. Lots of people, looks like, went out and bought themselves a new Chris Bryant jersey for opening day. Uh, I was really surprised to, for just how many I saw while I was there. Um, but I suppose I, I can't blame him because I almost bought one. I held off for a, I decided to hold off for a little bit, but I did almost buy one. <laughs> got to make sure, um, got to make sure he sticks around past year four still. Not even that, but more <laughs> of, let's just see how he does in the first half of the season. Yeah. <laughs> and not, not have it be like an Ian Desmond situation. And, and granted, I don't think those two are necessarily comparable, but if Bryant say were to really struggle, in the first half of the season, I wouldn't want to look a little bit foolish there wearing that jersey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think what was nice, too, is he got that first hit out of the way with the with the team. A two-out double, hit it to straightaway center field. Now, if he hooks that thing to left field or even just a little bit more to the left, into, into left center, he's got his first home run as a Rocky. But a double straightaway center... Hit it with some authority over Cody Bellinger. Now, uh, I I think that's nice to see. You know, kind of a a sigh of relief of like, okay, he's got that first hit out of the way. We can breathe a little easy. Uh, he's going to ease himself in as a Rocky. Yeah, and he only struck out once, um, which is great. And he he drew a walk, which we needed to see a lot more of, and we need to see a lot more of is, you know, batters controlling the strike zone and drawing walks and. You know, he drew a walk. He had he got on base twice during today's game, including that double. Other than maybe wanting to see him get another base hit or maybe an RBI, that's a pretty solid Rockies debut for for opening day. And so I'm I'm satisfied with that performance as long as he keeps building on it. Like I keep saying, people have got to build on 
things to keep the season going. I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, and I, I think Sam Bradfield, our editor, was uh, she mentioned our Slack channel. Sounds like he was having trouble with his last couple of at bats with the shadows and everything at Coors Field. So that's something he's going to have to adjust to uh, because that's a rough final AB in the bottom of the ninth, two men on against Craig Kimbrell uh, with two yeah, outs. Yeah, I can't blame him. It was the temperature wise, it was really nice, but because it was it was very very sunny. Uh, especially at that point in the game. Um, I'm not surprised that he maybe had a little bit of trouble with the sun in the shadows because it was it was very bright. I definitely uh, got sunburned a lot more than I was expecting <laughs> sitting up in the stands uh, for a day where it was about 64 or 65 temperature-wise. <laughs> but, yeah, that's definitely it's going to be an adjustment thing because, you know, Bryant has played in Coors Field before but never as his home ballpark, and now he's got to play – you know, 82 games there. Yeah, and looking at that final at-bat, because his first, his the rest in, in the game, he looked good, good plate approach and everything, but in that final at-bat, three up, three pitches, you know, he, he looked lost up there in that final at-bat. So I don't think that's indicative of what we're going to get a lot more from him, more so earlier in the game when he wasn't dealing with the shadows. But yeah, I think overall, a good debut, I think, fans are happy about Chris Bryant. We'll touch on him a little bit later. Uh, some things I wanted to talk about with him. But Randall Gritchick gets his first RBI. He didn't have a hit, but he did hit a ground ball over to first to drive in a run, so he did his good Tapia impression to ease fans in. Uh, but I think the big thing, the big question mark with him is playing center field at Coors Field. Uh, and How did he look on opening day? Yeah, uh, Gritchick's defense out in center was perfectly fine. Um, I know there were some concerns, especially for me, going into the season. Um, Gritchick with a negative two DRS last year with the Blue Jays in center field. But, no, he looked totally serviceable. A lot of the balls that he didn't get to were balls that were hit a lot shorter than I think people were kind of expecting. Not a lot of bloop hits, but a lot of short line drive singles uh, that got spread around the, the stadium. A big... Really, a lot of it was getting singled and doubled to death because there were no home runs in this game at all from either side. And Gritchick's defense in center field was totally fine. And then at the plate, he didn't strike out once, which was great. Exactly what we needed from him. Uh, He's not a high strikeout totals guy. The one thing I was getting kind of salty about with him was that uh, he grounded out pretty much every at-bat, and I was getting grumpy about that because his whole appeal – coming into the season is that he doesn't ground out a lot um but you know hey it's opening day i'm not too worried overall he had a really solid game drawing a walk getting that rbi and playing some really serviceable center field defense yeah and, and finally our last buddy jose iglesias you know, he had an emotional first at bat with the rockies had a single up the middle in a big spot drove in a run and he got emotional at first base and freddie freeman was there giving him a hug and everything. Turns out uh, his father had recently passed away a couple of weeks ago. And we heard his father has watched every single at-bat of his big league career. And that was the first time, first big league at-bat, that his dad didn't see. What a special moment for Jose Iglesias. Just be able to get a RBI single up the middle. Uh, No, In any other situation, not a big deal, but for that moment, having just lost his father, I think that's a really special moment for, for Jose. Yeah, that was a, a really great moment for him. And, you know, I ragged a lot on Jose Iglesias during spring training. And and despite all of that, he had a really solid ball game. And that first uh, first single of the season, that RBI single, has to be so special and so important to him. I had no idea that his father had passed away a couple weeks ago. And that's got to feel, that's going to be a memory that even if this is just a shortstop for him in Colorado, he's going to have forever. That this was his, you know, his first hit in the big leagues since the passing of his father. And, you know, I congratulations to him on getting that first Rockies hit and, you know, our condolences for, for the passing of his father. Such just an, an interesting and special and emotional thing for him. Yeah, so... No, uh, great moment for him, you know, and our, you know, special condolences to him. You no, know, but I'm excited to see what he can do 
with the Rockies, especially coming up in a big moment like that in his first at bat. No, that, that gets you in some good graces with the fans. No, and, and I think he he's going to do some good here. No, and I think having that connection, you know, playing for his dad, in memory of his father, I think that'll do a lot too. You know, and just kind of inspiration to remind him why he plays the game. You know, kind of like we saw with Sam Definitely. Hilliard last season when he hit his home run after his father had just passed. You know, I love those big moments in baseball, you know, moments that are bigger than baseball. Uh, and it's a very special moment for him. Uh, and I look forward to seeing more moments for him this season. Yeah, those kind of moments across all of sports are just you know, so special and so important for the humanity of the game. And really, I think, puts the, the players who often tend to get lifted on, on pedestals by fans and by organizations, brings them down not down, but puts them on a level that is much more identifiably human, having more of a human element of you have to remember that these are guys with lives and, and feelings and all that stuff. Um, uh, Bill Schmidt said when he first got hired as the general manager, um, when he wanted to focus on the mental aspects of the game, that you know these aren't just ball players they're human beings and i think that is is something that's really important to remember especially with moments like these you have this moment you have like you mentioned sam hilliard another big one in sports is when you know brett Favre had that big performance when he was playing with the packers after his father passed all sorts of moments like that where they're just hugely hugely important for the the spirit and the humanity of the game where this is something that you can, you know, identify with with the player, and it makes everything just much more human. Yeah, no, I, I love baseball. That's the best thing about baseball is those special moments, and for it to happen on opening day, you know, for him to have that moment, you know, it is just wonderful. But uh, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break here, Evan, and when we come back, we've got some exciting breaking news that you'll probably have heard about already when this episode comes out, but we're hearing it just for the first time. So don't go anywhere, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking around after our break. Uh, Evan, something finally happened. We've joked about this. That news always comes out right after we're done recording. The Rockies must have heard us because we have some breaking news right as we were recording of... Some guy named Todd Helton has returned to the Colorado Rockies as a special assistant to the general manager. He's going to help out in all aspects and areas of baseball operations. Did you know, he spent 17 years with the Rockies his entire career, and he received 52% of the Hall of Fame voting last year. Initial reactions to Todd Helton returning to the Rockies in a front office role. This is, man, we, we always do joke that news seems to happen right after we record, but it really is. This is amazingly huge news to drop right in the middle of our recording here that Todd Helton is being hired by the Rockies as the assistant to the general manager, special assistant to the general manager, which is um, the same as a couple other guys in the organization right now. I believe that is Vinny Castilla's uh, job title as well that this is really big I think and it's nice to see that um, you know, Todd is wanting to continue to be a part of the organization it's been kind of a rough last couple of years for him and we sort of saw him a lot um, this spring training especially playing a bigger role with the organization where he showed up at minor league camp to sort of mentor and uh, help teach some of the younger players, especially our major first base prospect, Michael Tolia. So this is this is really, really big. I don't know if this means Todd's going to, you know, be in the dugout like Vinny has been, you know, in full uniform, being 
in essence, a coach as well as his other duties in baseball operations. But I am so, so happy to have, you know, Todd returning to the organization where he has been such an important part of this franchise for the majority of his history. 17 seasons with the Rockies and very likely our second ever Hall of Famer, especially after the huge boost he got here in this last voting cycle. This is really, really cool. And I feel bad that Matt can't be here to sort of be a part of our breakdown of it because he's he's out working a show right now. But uh, it sounds like he's pretty astounded by it too. Our Our whole Slack channel just sort of went like, whoa, what? As soon as it dropped. Yeah, and... I think this is something we've talked about before uh, in the past and other places have talked about it. The Rockies have kind of been bad about retaining like history and players back. Now we've had Vinny Castilla around, but that's kind of been the thing. And like, when you think of the Rockies, you don't necessarily think of Vinny Castilla first. No, you definitely think of him, but like, I think people think more of like Carlos Gonzalez or, you know, Troy Tulowitzki, those type of guys, the really big stars that were faces of the franchise. And so to kind of have Clint Hurdle come back, he's a special assistant now. Uh, we have or Clint Hurdle, now we have Todd Helton in there. I think that's really good for the team. And I, I think Todd Helton, kind of what his goal was, and something we've heard from, from interviews, is he would kind of want to do like the minor league thing of go around and see minor leaguers and report back to the Rockies like, Hey, this is what I saw. And this stuff kind of like the same way Clint hurdles operating where he just kind of like work the Rockies system, keep an eye on their development and all that other stuff. And probably kind of give some advice at the big league level. But yeah, I think it's huge. Bring back, you know, the best player in your franchise history, bring him back so he can contribute to the club. And I think Todd Helton, that's what he's wanted to do. I think I recall one of those interviews that he uh, he's done in the past couple of years where he's like, if I could make one change, it would probably stick around in baseball in some format right after I retired. No, and stick around in some capacity working with the Rockies, something like that. No, and, and so I think this is a step in what he wanted to do, and, and I think that's super good. What a great asset you have to your organization now where you can send Todd Helton wherever you need him to big leagues, minor leagues, you know, helping out with the baseball decisions and running the team. You can have Todd Helton there sharing his expertise, someone who dominated Coors field and is the best player in Rockies history. Not only dominated Coors field, but never really succumbed to the effects of the Coors hangover. Absolutely. A lot of our more modern players do where Todd hit very well on the road as well. And this really reminds me of, and honest, honestly, it's funny that this got brought up yesterday at our opening day breakfast. So at our opening day breakfast yesterday, we had some special media guests, uh, Thomas Harding and Mandy Randawa of MLB.com, Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post, Danielle Allen Tuck of the Colorado Gazette, and Jack Corrigan of KOA Radio. And something that they were all talking about in regards to Clint Hurdle as well is that when you have all these young prospects and, and young players and you're telling them we can win, we can be a winning team, you can be a winner, what's really important is having guys around who have won mm-hmm. to you know show them and be a living example of that. And they were talking about that with Clint Hurdle where you know Clint Hurdle is one of the winningest Rockies managers of all time, took us to the World Series in 2007, and you know bringing him in, you're showing this guy, this guy, helped the Colorado Rockies win. He showed that we could be winners. And now you're especially doubling down with that with Todd Helton, where Todd Helton is the paragon of excellence for a Colorado Rocky of playing his entire career with this team. Minus the, there were some trade rumors of him later in his career and even around 2007. But regardless of all that, he was here the entire time. He, of two of the three major playoff berths the Rockies had through their first set of existence up through when he retired in 2014, uh, 2013, he was there, especially for that World Series trip. And he was a big part of getting that World Series trip, that big home run off the Dodgers of his. And so 
this is, I think, another really big thing, just like Hurdle, of here is a guy who has won with the Rockies, who has shown what excellence in a Rockies uniform can be. And you can be like that, too. Yeah, definitely. And and we speak of his excellence in the Rockies uniform. So Todd Helton remains the franchise leader in games played, runs scored, hits. He has 2,519 hits in a Rockies uniform. Doubles, 592. 369 home runs. 1,406 RBI. 1,335 walks. Five-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, three-time Gold Glove winner, should have had an MVP award. He was absolutely robbed in 2000. He played much better than the eventual NL MVP and Jeff Kent in almost every single category. So, he was robbed. Yeah, and like, a staple at first base, first number retired by the Rockies. Now, here's an example. that you bring in your greatest asset, greatest example for guys like Sam Hilliard, every left-handed batter you have in the Rockies organization now can look to him. Defensively, everybody can learn something from Todd Helton. I think one of the reports that came out after he was hanging out with the minor leaguers was showing them different drills that he did to help improve them defensively. He's having that immediate impact on these players, a wealth of knowledge he can share. Oh, And that's just a fantastic news. Now we just got to somehow pry... Larry Walker over, you know, and and somehow pry Dante Bichette away from his son so he can come help the Rockies. But Todd Helton is that example of excellence in a Rockies uniform. You can succeed here. This is what success with the Rockies looks like. And if you could turn an entire team into Todd Helton, I think the Rockies could win a World Series that way. Yeah, and and especially with... What was the the big issue last year especially was offense on the road mm-hmm. where we were we were absolutely atrocious on the road last year. There's no beating around the bush there where we had a terrible road record. We got shut out over 10 times in like the first two months of the season, almost all on the road. It was rough. Mm-hmm. And Todd Helton, you look at his road slash for his splits, and they are very, very good, where his career batting average on the road was 287, career on base 386, career slugging 469. All of that is really, really solid away from Coors Field hitting work. And if that's something that we can really push, especially on the player development side, of making sure that everybody can hit both at home and on the road, then this team is going to be in so much better shape going forward. Definitely. Uh, and... It's going to be, I just can't wait to see what impact he can have, what he can share across the board with the organization. No. And it's interesting that Bill Schmidt has made a lot of these moves. And these guys are bringing in guys from the past that had success here, like Clint Hurdle, now Todd Helton, which makes me wonder, like, what was it? (laughs) We can all kind of assume that answer. But it's interesting to see the changing of the guard now that Bill Schmidt's making these changes and everything, whereas we're kind of stuck stuck in the mud with Jeff Breidich as the GM and him and Dick Monfort. It it seemed like it was them running the show. And now with Bill Schmidt in charge of the front office and working things around, running the team, along with Greg Fiesel, it seems like there is that cultural change they're making in the front office and making an effort to improve the team that we didn't see under the Breidich era. Yeah, and and Vinny Castilla, I believe, was hired as a special yeah. assistant during the, the Jeff Breidich administration. But you didn't see a lot else, and you especially still had, and mostly with current players, but really driving a wedge between the players in the front office where we had, you know, Troy Tulowitzki who still has not repaired his bridge but with the Rockies. And I'm really hoping that's going to come to pass soon because, you know, regardless of if he has any part to do with coaching or anything with the Rockies organization, that is a bridge that needs to be mended. And, you know, we, we lost Dante Bichette before Jeff Radich was hired. He was a hitting coach for a little bit, but then, uh, but then he left. It's, it's tricky because you really do want to see us, and it does look like we're, we're doing it a lot more. 
of really retaining our connection with past Rockies and bringing them in to be of benefit to the organization. Because we had a bunch of guys this spring come out way more than usual. We had Clint Barmas, we had Yorvi Torialba, Cargo, Todd Helton. And, you know, occasionally over the last couple of years, you'd get a few guys coming out to sort of see what's up. You know, Jeff Cirillo, I believe, was at spring training last year. Brad Hopp usually works with some of the guys. I know he works with uh, Sam Hilliard a lot during the offseason because they're uh, both Texans down there. But this year especially, we're seeing more of trying to get back in touch with sort of the past of the organization. And I do think you're right in that a lot of that has to do with sort of this changing of the guard and bringing in Bill Schmidt, who's been with the organization for a long, long time now. And now that, you know, he's sort of calling the shots, I think is able to do a lot more to bring more people in and hopefully repair some of those bridges that have been burned. I'd love to see Tulowitzki come back and at least be part of some occasional festivities at Coors Field. I remember just how brutal it was that for the organization's 25th anniversary celebration that so many people were there and Tulo didn't even have a, a presence there. Where, like, Chris Iannetta and Matt Holliday were both with other teams at the time and recorded messages. Clint Hurdle was the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates and sent a video in for the Rockies to play and just absolutely nothing from Tulo. And I hopefully that's a bridge that can be mended. And then another guy that I want to, I would love to see us bring in as a coach or or anything like that more often is Carlos Gonzalez because um, there really isn't a guy that better encapsulates having fun and being excited to play Rockies baseball more than Cargo. The man was always smiling. The man was always excited. He brought this infectious, positive energy to the clubhouse, which I think is starting to recover now. But over the last couple of years, the energy of the clubhouse hasn't really been very good. And there's plenty of reasons why that could be. But it's definitely something that needs to change. And that is part of, I think, why Chris Bryant was brought in, in addition to the skills he can bring and the the star power is that he is a very different kind of energy in the clubhouse that the Rockies have had for a while. And you know, Todd Helton is, you know, Jack Horgan, Patrick Saunders, Thomas Harding, we're all joking about. He's a very weird guy, but also somewhat of a practical joker and that he he's competitive, but not to the really like, super serious burning degree that some of the other guys that we've had in our clubhouse have been that, you know, he'll make jokes and he'll just be kind of a weirdo. And I think that's also really important is, is energy. Yeah. And and I like that you mentioned this of like repairing those relations with the players, giving them another resource now in the organization. Maybe they don't know, not every player, they don't want to talk to like Bill Schmidt or Greg Fiesel, somebody else, maybe in the front office. But hey, here's Todd Helton. He can mentor you. Turn to him. If you have some questions with hitting, turn to him. He can help you out. No, Vinny Castilla's here. No, Vinny Castilla's been with the team as a special assistant since 2007 when Dan O'Dowd hired him. Uh, and so it, he's been with the team forever. And now they're bringing in more guys. And something I would love to see, you mentioned Cargo. But on the pitching end of things, I would love to see him, you know, add guys to the pitching, whether as a coach, helping out Steve Foster in the pitching department, but guys that were successful. Yeah, guys that were successful pitchers with the Rockies. Ubaldo Jimenez, repair some relationships there. Uh, Guys like that in the bullpen, Brian Fuentes, Houston Street, all all kinds of guys that were successful pitchers at Coors Field and in Colorado, bring them in to help out. This opens up so many windows of what the Rockies could do that we'd like to see them do to help improve the team in all aspects. But I think you've hit it on the nail here that we've talked about tons is creating a better environment and culture with the team that's a little bit more positive and a little bit more team-focused, team-centered, if that makes sense, where it's not like one super driven guy that is kind of bringing down morale a bit because of he's so intense, he wants to win. 
but instead it's kind of the team a little bit more loose, playing more loose. You know, and bringing in these veteran guys to help with the organization, I think that'll go a long way to help the team, especially as they prepare for their first road trip of the year. Yeah, and even even guys who are currently playing, like I know it was a it was I believe it was a Brightish move, but having Jolice Chassin be back has he's apparently been a really big resource for the guys in the bullpen of knowing how to pitch at Coors Field and having the experience there and uh, a love of the game that he really has. And, and what brought this up for me is that Danielle Allen Tuck of the, of the Gazette just tweeted um, Jolice out on the field playing catch with his son Dominic who and talking about just his love of the game. And when he came back last year, Jolice was like, I'm home. This is where I should be. And there's, like you said, there's plenty of other pitchers that we should bring in. Ubaldo Jimenez was not particularly happy with the organization after he didn't get a chance to be on the roster when he was brought in for spring training a year or so ago. And that's a bridge I think you can very, very easily mend where he's he's done playing baseball, but he can come in and, you know, talk to guys about how he was able to succeed at Coors Field. He dang near won a Cy Young. He pitched the only no-hitter in Rockies history, and you have all these other successful pitchers, Aaron Cook, Jorge De La Rosa, guys that you can bring in and really make a positive uh, environment of plenty of guys to talk to. And you did say uh, earlier, it's like, guys aren't necessarily wanting to talk to, you know, Bill Schmidt all the time. But I wrote about Riley Pint returning to the organization after his retirement for my Thursday rock pile this last week. And a big thing for him coming back and feeling way less pressure on his shoulders than he had been was coming in and talking to Bill Schmidt. And I think that's another big thing. I was talking about this with Kenneth yesterday of how important it is to have a general manager right now who is much more not only respected in the baseball world, but infinitely more approachable. That was always a complaint about Jeff Breidich when he was the general manager, is that he was difficult to talk to. He wasn't particularly approachable. He had, you know, an attitude that made him come off as arrogant or rude to a lot of different people around baseball, not only in the Rockies clubhouse. And it's just such a tremendous difference in our new general manager, Bill Schmidt. And we're seeing this difference now of guys coming back to the organization and wanting to be associated with the organization again, of Todd Helton being hired as a special assistant to Bill Schmidt and now being a tremendous, tremendous resource for everyone in the organization to talk to. Not just the players, but coaches can talk to him and feel him out as well. The minor leaguers, the assistant, heck, the the dugout catcher can probably even get some very good mentorship from Todd Helton on the sport of baseball. Yeah. And what's nice is, as these reports are coming out here on Twitter, and it sounds like that Todd Helton will kind of be that roaming coach and will go see specific minor league teams you know, and minor league you know, players and work with them a lot more to help out development across the organization. He's been working with Michael Toglia since March. And that fits into everything we're saying where here's a guy that can go and mentor the club. He's an approachable individual. You know, you've never really heard anybody scared to go talk to Todd Helton. You know, <laughs> the stories come out. He is kind of that, well, he's a soft-spoken guy, but you know, he's just that same classic country guy that's just kind of soft-spoken, you know, but kind of a goofball. And, and I think that'll be nice for the entire organization, but specifically those minor leaguers. Michael Togley, who's seen as the heir to Todd Helton, for the Rockies' future at first base. Yeah, get Todd Helton with that kid so he can hit the ground running when he gets his call. And and what a great opportunity to send your star, your franchise star, all these minor league teams, and they get a chance to pick Todd Helton's brain. And you know what a great opportunity for fans in those cities to see Todd Helton. Uh, it, overall, I think it's just going to do wonders for the Rockies' culture, for the fans, for the players. It, it, this is a good move by the organization, and Big Dollar Bill Schmidt keeps the hits coming. Yeah, I am really... There's, Regardless of anything else, there has been a lot of positive things to talk about for the Rockies over the last couple months. And that's not something we've necessarily had a lot of 
for the past few years especially a lot of our off seasons and early beginning of the seasons have been you know unfortunately rife with turmoil where you had the Nolan Arenado situation you had then the Trevor Story situation after that and then Jeff Breidich resigning at the beginning of last year and all of the you know craziness that that sort of came about and things feel right now a lot more stable and stability is is really important and with that stability you get all of these other positives that we've been talking about this whole time with uh, I love how you've been calling him Big Dollar Bill Schmidt because he is he's getting people to to stay and sign on and and sign these extensions that are all pretty team friendly like Ryan McMahon's extension if he continues to play defense like he has and hits even slightly better than he has been then his extension is a steal CJ Crone wanted to stay Jolice Chassin came back uh, Elias Diaz wanted to stay on and we extended him all these guys wanted to be here and you know it's like I've said Trevor Story I don't think there was any real chance of him staying but Bill Schmidt did really what it seems like his due diligence to at least try and get Trevor Story to come back. And that's honestly a lot more than you really could have even asked for with the situation that he was thrown into. Yeah. Now, <laughs> it, it's exciting to see. Now, there's positivity around the Rockies, like you said. And, you know, I generally try to – I want to be more positive about the Rockies – we will criticize them and you know talk about things they need to improve, but it's also nice to you know because we are fans of the game. You know we want our team to succeed. We want to have hope for our team that our team will succeed. You know, and that's a lot better way to to view sports than consistently being down on everything that they do. You know, and the Rockies I think have taken that to heart with some of the bad things that have happened over the past couple of years. They're trying to get back into those good graces with the fans and trying to improve things culturally. And we've seen some of these moves. Chris Bryant, some of these additions they've made to the clubhouse and now to the front office. And overall, there's hope for the Rockies. I think that's a common thing we keep coming back to. There's some hope here for our beloved purple pinstriped heroes. You know, no matter how frustrating they may be and everything, it's nice to have some sort of hope or inkling of hope to, to things to look forward to with this club. Yeah, and I always say um, sometimes we can get a little bit of flack, especially on things like social media, for being more positive about the organization than people are sort of wanting to see with all the struggles that the team has had. But nobody wants to just constantly write negative things about the Rockies especially here at Purple Row, because a, a big thing is that the majority of us here at Purple Row are Rockies fans, in addition to baseball fans, in addition to being writers. You know, we love our team. And I will, and, and you will, Skyler, as well, criticize where it is deserved, but at the same time, really positive things like, like this, like Todd Helton returning to the organization almost 10 years after his retirement to play a role in the development of the team's future. That is such an incredibly positive thing. And it's so exciting to see that kind of thing come about where I really don't think this would have happened a couple of years ago. And it is okay to, you know, even if the Rockies lost on opening day, even if we've had a couple losing seasons in a row now after the 2017 and 2018 wildcard appearances and playoff berths, it is okay to, and encouraged even, to be hopeful, to be excited about this franchise, and even finding little things in there to smile about and say, this is something I can be excited about with this Rockies organization. And we've gotten a lot more of that recently than we have in the past couple of years. And I've gotten, I don't know really what I'll say about that other than that is 
it's fantastic for everyone involved. It's fantastic for us writers to have more positive things to write about. It's fantastic for the fans who have positive things to cheer about. It's fantastic for the people in the clubhouse, for the for the players and the coaches and everyone involved with the Rockies organization to have a bright spot to focus on. Absolutely. No, the only thing that could have made this better is if they'd announced it before opening day and Todd Helton could have thrown out the first pitch instead of new Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson. That's the only critique I have with this move, is that it came too late. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It would have been, especially if they had announced it beforehand, they could have at least got him on the field yesterday, especially with how packed that house was. Granted, I do think the stadium's going to be really full tonight, so my question is if they're going to get him out there and introduce him prior to, if not today's game, then maybe tomorrow's game. I think they definitely do something on the field during this first homestand, though, because we're immediately hitting the road after uh, tomorrow's game. Uh, they can bring it back for the Cubs series that's coming up later in the week. Oh, the only thing I hope is that Todd Helton rides out on a horse. On the and... horse that we gave him. He's got to still have that uh, horse, right? I, I think that horse died. <laughs> what? I think it did. I'm not sure what happened to it. Uh, somebody will have to do some investigative journalism on that. But I don't know if he still has that horse. Regardless, he's still come out on a horse. And What, then... what a note to bring that to. Oh, you should... <laughs> Remember the Ro- when the Rockies gave Todd Helton a horse? Oh, yeah, that horse is probably dead. <laughs> hey, I don't know. But... <laughs> what a way to end an episode, though. But... <laughs> But yeah, you know, I th- I think we're both in agreement that no, this is a really good move by the Rockies. You know, opening day, the game itself didn't go the way we hoped, but there's still a lot of positivity, and there's things to hope for to really see what they can make of themselves. They have a new fresh start, new fresh lineup, and everything, a new special assistant mentor in the front office. Things are moving up for the Rockies, and I'm excited to see what happens this season. No, win or lose, I just want to see what they do, what they can create with this new start this season. Yeah, no matter what, it's frequently said of the Rockies that no matter what, good or bad, the Rockies are going to be interesting. And I think that's one of one of the little weird joys of this club is that no matter how we do, there's always going to be something to talk about. And right now, at least, it's it's a lot of positives to talk about. And this... Uh, this hiring that broke right as we were recording totally torpedoed everything else that we had planned for the second half of this episode. Like we're, I'm looking at our run sheet and we had other stuff to talk about, and it's like, nope, Todd Helton. Everything else can is not important. It's nice that the rest of that is kind of evergreen stuff, so we might touch on it next time. Exactly, so we can always talk about that later. But I think that's going to do it here for this edition of Affected by Altitude. I'm sure Mac will try to join us for our next episode next time. Uh, but Evan, where can the people find you and what have you been working on? So you can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang two seven. You can also check out my work on purple row. My most recent rock pile that I wrote for Thursday was about Riley pints return to baseball and his assignment at double a Hartford really, really pulling for him. And I will also be starting tomorrow, which is Sunday, resuming my game day coverage for the Rockies, which I'm really, really excited about. It's one of my favorite things to do is just do the game preview, watch the game, get to talk about the game afterwards. Looking forward to getting those out for you. And as always, these podcasts that we do, one of my favorite activities of the week is sitting down with Skylar and Mac and getting to record some stuff for you. So thank you so much for for listening because it's been officially for for you and I, Skylar, uh, and Mac as well. It's been a year where we've hit the year-long mark of our tenure at purple row still got a couple months till the one year mark for the podcast but yeah it's it's been a lot of fun oh definitely a big learning experience and (laughs) getting more into the depths of the rockies than i ever thought i would (laughs) yeah but but definitely it's it's so interesting to be regularly recording things and putting stuff out there and and maybe focusing on some things that we wouldn't necessarily focus on if it was just our regular writing stuff. So it's been really cool. And Skylar, where can our lovely listeners find you at on the social medias? They can find me at at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, and then my Sunday rock piles, 
I had a plan for this week, so it'll probably have changed after this news. But <laughs> always stay tuned for those Sunday rock piles. And then both Evan and I, we try to catch news articles. Uh, more often than not, try to catch those news articles through the week. So be always always on the lookout on purplerow.com and on at purplerow on Twitter for all the latest articles and news, game coverage, everything you could want about the Rockies. Uh, yeah, and you can find us there. Also, fans, let us know what you'd like to, to, to hear about or talk about here on the podcast. We're always looking for more of that feedback and inclusion so we can make this the best show possible for you. Perhaps maybe sometime in the future we can try another mailbag episode and get more I'd than five questions that. this time. And you can put, but, you could always comment on the podcast posts on the Purple Row website. You can also reach us at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter account, which is at Altitude Effect. We are always looking to hear from you and see, you know, like Skyler said, what we can do to improve the show, things that you would want to hear us talk about, all sorts of fun stuff. So please feel free to reach out to us. All right. So that's going to do it here again for this episode of Affected by Altitude. Opening day is upon us. The season's underway. We're hopeful and we'll be back next time with the same bat time, same bat channel on the podcast network. So that'll do it here. I'm Skylar Timmons. That's Evan Lang. We'll see you next time. Evan, hit him with it. Farewell. Go Rockies. Yay.